Hey, 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 welcome back to Spilling the G&T. You're here with Bolo. And Dr. Tom. Now, we're here to give you the opinion you never really asked for. But we're giving it anyway. That's right. Now, Bolo here's before, man. Hey, and Dr. Tom's a psychiatrist. Hmm. And we're here to give you our professional... Professional. Professional review on RuPaul's, RuPaul's Drag, Drag Race, Race Season 12. 12. Are you ready to get into it? More than ready. Let's do it, Doctor. Yeah. All right, everyone, welcome back to Spilling the G&T. So, so far, we're on episode of... Five. Oh, sorry, episode five. Yeah. Yes, okay. Um, let's... Let's do a quick reha- recap on mm-hmm. the last episode. And I'm going to say it. So, motherfucking previously <laughs> on motherfucking Drag Race. If anybody out there gets the reference, um, then congratulations. You've won Free prize. merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> Coming your way. I, know, I, I would like to direct people to um, Jizz and the Mammograms, one of the best pastiches on YouTube of hey. Gem and the Holograms. Please check it out, guys. So, where we are right now was that we've just said goodbye to Rockham Secure. And we actually, have. there's been a lot of out, like a lot of outrage. People are... Outrage. Really, really, really upset. Really upset that Rock's gone. She was, like I just said, she was fan favourite. It was one of those we can see. justice for situations, wasn't it? It was very like, you know, oh, well, she'll definitely be back for All Stars. We were big fans of, of Rockham. Um, yeah. I think there was, there was a lot of, um, of conjecture, as there should be, about a show like Drag Race that is loved by so many people. Of course, people will, um, will uh, debate what should have gone on. Um, do I think Rockham should have been in the bottom three? Probably not, but I liked her finale, I liked her final ball look more than a lot of people. Do I think Britta won the lip sync? I do. Okay. Um I didn't like Rockham's look. That 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 ball look was just it was just it was too much. Anyway, she is gone. We are sad and um we forgot to say this last episode, so we're gonna say it now. Congratulations to uh yeah, Gigi she, who she got good. the super rare double win. So she, she won did, the mini challenge yeah. and she also won the main stage. Double. So, Double. Double. So props to you. Um, let's move on to what's happened. So we've just come into the post-workroom main stage. Yeah. Um, they've seen the message from Rockham Secure. Everyone's a bit emotional because yeah, uh, she's obviously very, very loved. She and we could hear the weeping, the bawling of Rockham as she we're, exited. Yeah, we're talking kind of, you know, public displays of mourning kind of levels of of weeping weren't we she was really really emotional bless her it was it was very alaska bokeh Ah, you know that that on on her on that season season five yeah yeah yeah, the acting challenge very much that kind of um emotional emotional breakdown and it was and a a lot of the girls are really really emotional and britta takes this moment to say you know what i'm gonna light a fire yeah you've just ignited the britta what does that mean i don't know but you know what I walked into this episode seeing her passion yeah. and um, seeing her emotion. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to root for you. I'm excited. Show me it. Show me it now. I feel that's, the same. That's how I saw it. And then three seconds later, she's already attacking Aiden. Yeah. <laughs> she's, already, she's already at Aiden. I went into that workroom for untucked thinking that I was like, safe. Honey, that shook me up. My mind has changed. I'm like putting it in a full here because I'm Brita bitch. In New York, I am always at the top because I work so hard and that's what makes it so hard to be in the bottom. I also think I don't belong in the bottom. I just hear Rockham's crying and how badly she wanted this while other people did the bare minimum and skated by again. 
If I were Aiden Zane, I'd be a bit like, why are you so obsessed with me? From the Meet the Queens episode one, episode two, episode three, episode four, maybe I don't think I was the biggest Aiden fan. I don't think she was giving enough. And I, I, was, I wasn't really warming up to her, but I'll tell you right now what I love. She's a damn fighter. She is, yes. she is not taking shit from anyone. Mm-hmm. Like she, she gives it back. She's not like, I, I want to say she's not like Jinx Monsoon. Where like she allowed herself to be that that punching bag for people, even though that was a lot in the edit. Because yeah, in podcasts later, we mm. do hear that Jinx Monsoon said it was in the edit. I only cried once. They dragged it over <laughs> five, six episodes. <laughs> that one time I cried, and she said, um, a lot of the times her fight was really with Coco Montrese more, more than, than more than Roxy. So we do know that there's a big element of this that is in the editing. But from what I'm seeing of Aiden, Aiden is not allow it like she, i mean she is getting bothered by it but she's not letting it break her down she she's she's always got something to come back to them mm. with you know she 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 fights right back i think um aiden's probably used to fighting a corner quite a lot you do see it quite often with the, the more unconventional queens who don't fit a conventionally kind of like beautiful or pageanty or instagrammy kind of beauty aesthetic and might have more of a spooky horror vibe going on and the, i think as soon as she came into the competition as well the first conversation she had with any of the girls um they were kind of they, they, they were, it was there was a subtlety but they were really coming for her from the offset i think um so aiden yeah she's had her boxing gloves on since the beginning her, but her guards came up yeah she's, she's had to defend herself uh yeah and and Britta has been one of her loudest critics and I would really, really, really love Britta to please just focus on yourself, Britta. Don't let it rattle you as much as yeah, you, don't, you have. Don't. Yeah, focus on you. And mm. you know what? A lot of the times that I do see Aiden clap back is when she is in drag. Mm. Do you notice that? Mm. And it's always like people, like, when people talk about what they do in drag and how they feel in drag, they, they always say, like um, James Mansfield, it's my suit of armor. You yeah. can't hurt me. And they create these, these old alter egos these these strong characters that are who they want to be and every time aiden is in drag i do see a different side to her I, she's ferocious she is a drag queen yeah and she comes for you if you come for her and she and she, she does not let anyone kind of like penetrate that wall she's she's very strong yeah. and i do really really love that i've warmed up to aiden so much because i'm rooting for her now i don't i don't like seeing her yeah. get bullied and, and i'm loving seeing her fight back yeah she's She's clearly a tough cookie and one of the things that breaks my heart a little bit with Aiden is I don't see her having an ally until we'll come to it later but I don't see her having a friend or anybody else really kind of like lifting her up or even sticking up for her not that she seems to need it no there's another thing that comes up again the next following day <laughs> and I love the what I love about Jada is her confidence do you know what I mean <laughs> she's and she's like very very she's, confident she's deemed herself the trade, the trade of season, season 12 not just of season 12 but of the world <laughs> full stop that's on period yeah which one of us is the trade besides me <laughs> I have deemed myself trade of the season because I am the sexiest one in the room here and everywhere. Now, who do you think? Who do you think is the trade? Who do you think is the trade of season twelve? I don't know really. Um, maybe Rockham. Rockham. Rockham was cute. Yeah, he was, doesn't he? Yeah. Good body. Yeah, nice it worked butt. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as they point out, if Jan had her boy brows, uh, Jan would be. 
You know what? Is it what I was? I, I told you that before. And I'm yeah. like, I, I said they're like Jan's a pretty cute looking guy. Yeah. But I just can't get on board with those brows. I mean, they're her aesthetic choice, and we're not here to critique that. However, I think she she'd fit a certain mold a bit better if she just if she just do them a little bit thicker. And they, they're like, quite pencily, aren't they? Yeah. They are. And it was Heidi, and Heidi was the one who pointed it. Out. Heidi was like. <laughs> I think Jen, I think Jen would be the trade if uh, she had her boy brows. I think Jen would be trade yeah. if she had her boy brows. And I was like, uh, one more time for the people in the back. I think Jen would be trade yeah. if she had her boy brows. <laughs> I said, um, um, where my people at? Where my people at? <laughs> I think Jen would be trade if yeah. she had her boy brows. Like that, I agree with it. But I think that the trade is, do you know what? I I really think um, Crystal there's just she's very cute and she has yeah, a lovely energy there's just something about yeah. she's very charming very. very very like i don't know it's something about that that beautiful spirit that just makes you beautiful it just it just exudes out and i just i love it i i, I definitely think it's crystal and that weird aliankovic look she portrays i love it although let's not forget dahlia did nominate <laughs> Um, Dahlia did nominate herself for Trader's Oh, well. I forgot about Dahlia. No, and Dahlia. Sorry, let's go back. No, Dahlia. Dahlia's really handsome. Yeah, Dahlia. Definitely but Dahlia. I just, without the ears, like those ears really freak me expanders, out. Yeah, they're fan. scary. I don't, I, I can't get on board with that. So, <laughs> Now let's get on to today's maxi challenge. So the maxi challenge is going to be, it's an acting challenge, basically. Mm -hmm. Rue's going to explain right now. For this week's maxi challenge, you need to overact in the longest running drag queen scripted show on TV. A little medical drama we're calling Gay's Anatomy. The script is filled with juicy roles from beloved doctor Meredith Gay to chief of staff Rhonda Shimes to the patients whose very lives hang in the balance. So that's basically what it is. And now, how do you, they? Roo. Thank you, Rue. Thank yeah. you, Rue. A friend yeah. of the pod. Yeah, a friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. You can leave now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, that's going to be the acting. It's an acting challenge, and the way that they decide who is going to choose um, the groups, who's going to choose the roles, it's, it's Rue comes out with the pit crew, and whoever gets um, the pink pill. Two people choose it. Whoever gets the pink pool are going to be the people who assign the actual roles. And the people who chose that, out of luck, were the fashion queens. And, like, the top girls of the last episode. Oh, true. Apart, apart from Jada. Yes. So we got uh, Nikki and Gigi, yeah. and they assign the roles. Now, how do they assign the roles? I think they're, they're very sweet and magnanimous about the whole thing. These are two quite good-natured young ladies who... Are really trying to please everybody. They seem like a pair of people pleasers, really. They're not cutthroat. And I guess it indicates a certain security in their own talents. They don't feel the need to screw anybody over. And they want a good performance, which I think really, really pays off. And they played a hand in this with the casting, definitely. Um, obviously, we'll come to it later. But I think this was a really, really good acting challenge. Yeah. And was there anyone that was upset with their choices? Well, there was a couple of girls in there. There was Aiden and there was Widow. And they mm. both had quite different reactions. Yes. Um, Aiden, Aiden, like, she had a moment, a little sulky moment. She was like, well, I'll just have to be happy with it, won't I? Well, yeah, but then she seemed to get into it. And she was joking about it within minutes. And she was like, boo, I'm a ghost. Are you happy, um, are you, are you happy with it? She's like, well, I, 
I've got I've got no choice to. Do you mm. know what? And also, like, what is she gonna do? None of you like me. All of yeah. you attack me. It's not like you're gonna change your mind. I mean, I've been given this. I've got no chance but to accept it. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm gonna take it. I'm not I'm not gonna fight it. That's what I thought it was as well. Because if that was me, I would be like, no, <laughs> I want to be Black China. But it, I want to be Black China. It could have been her being determined to like, do you know what? Yeah, I'm just going to keep my head down and I'm going to make the best of this. Mm. I'm going to prove them all wrong. I can do this. I could yeah. be a ghost. I could be a spooky, sexy ghost, a Mae West ghost. Widow's the complete opposite. Widow gets in her feelings, doesn't she? And we've seen yeah. this with Widow before. So Widow's really, really lovely and she has a really sunshiny personality a lot of the time, but she can switch quite quickly, can't she? Yes. We saw it during the rehearsals in episode one. And it seems like when... She doesn't get involved in drama. She's not like a shady queen who's involved in drama. But it's it, when you it's when you f- with her yes. and her gig. Yes, that's when she becomes this. I don't. It's not a diva. It's when she be, her guards come up and she, she becomes just, quite. She radiates a negative energy at this time, and the other girls, you know, she she draws in responses from people like you okay, you okay, and people seem to walk on eggshells around her. Mm. And you see it with her and Nikki in rehearsals afterwards. And to be honest, I felt a bit bad for Nikki because it felt a bit like Nikki had to consider working around this negative energy during the rehearsals. Definitely, definitely. it seemed like Britta, uh, Britta, Widow carried all the way up to the actual. Uh, filming bit because there was a bit where she was glaring by when she turned up in in her role um but um yeah it's very much kind of like widow like if you're it's almost as if she like personalizes stuff like that and sees it as sabotage yep. um she can she can she's hypersensitive to to those kind of slights i think and we learn a little bit more about her background later which might yeah. shed a little bit more light on her what i'm seeing from widow is that widow isn't a bitch per se she isn't like no, someone not. who's nasty no. but she is someone that if she feels attacked pers- mm. if it's a personal attack she reacts to it so she's not going around people like cutting people out bringing no. people down no 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 the only time that she has reacted is in the choreography challenge when she was trying to help no one was listening to her mm-hmm. when um Britta was coming for her so she kind of came for her back because they're talking about that rap challenge yeah and the moment here when like she wants to do something that she feels she'll be good at and then they're saying no we're giving you something else so it's always been something that's been personal yeah. to her that's the only moment that we've seen her pop off or get quite angry negative but it's never been like she doesn't have a nasty no, me. she doesn't yeah, go around yeah. being like eh, if you and, and stuff that and, uh, <laughs> you know all of that she's not like that so i think she also sees nikki as a friend and felt a little bit betrayed by it, even though Nikki was really, really trying her best to please everybody, I think. Mm, they both through it. So we, and then another amazing moment is the, the walkabout, Rue's walkabout. <laughs> and Rue's coming around and there's two conversations that Rue's she has. She's having fun this season. She really is. Yeah. She's really getting into it. Do you yeah. know what? Because Rue comes in and she has a conversation with Aiden. Mm. And then Aiden's just like, there's that moment where um, she's like, she feels out of her element. Everyone hates from the big city. And Rue just stops that. Yeah. Um, stop right now. She yeah. goes, I think everyone's out of the element here. This RuPaul's drag race. Yeah. You will never be in any situation like this. This is the Olympics of the sport. Mm-hmm. So so stop playing the victim in the situation and stop justifying it by saying that everyone else is from Big City, you're small, you're here. And that's what I will that's what I would want to say to Aiden. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah, so what? They got more experience <laughs> than you. Yeah, so what? They do 10 gigs a week. Yeah, you're here. You're all here on the same level. Prove yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. It's- Just a little come out of your shell moments. If you come out of your shell, the world could be your oyster. 
<laughs> Thank you, Fukfe. Thank you, Fukfe. <laughs> There's another moment uh, with her and Britta, yeah? There is. And I, I do feel like Britta does enter into this at the beginning with a real, real good go at positivity. She's very like, do you know what? This is an acting challenge. I really am going to try my best now. I'm going to show them what I'm made of. But I think I think it becomes her downfall because instead of like... like but I th- yeah, I think this comes back to her being a very hard worker. She talks about how she, she works hard, hard, hard in New York. She plugs away and it pays off. And right here, again, she's working very, very hard. But it kind of doesn't pay off for her because I think she spends too much time um, kind of thinking about what she should be doing rather than relaxing into the acting role or something or enjoying the moment when she would give more po- positivity and spontaneity. What do you think? Um, I th- I think that... I think Britta is a queen who is amazing at what she does. But I think she's a queen that takes her time Mm -hmm. or has her own process of getting to that level of perfection that she has um, allowed the New York scene to see. I don't think Britta would be happy showing what she's done so far on Drag Race to the world yeah because in her and in, in, in real world she is allowed three weeks four weeks however long it takes for her to say okay i approve of this this is my gig it's going on stage everyone's gonna love it because i know it's good you don't have that mm-hmm. you don't have that on RuPaul's drag race you literally uh, rehearsing that day and filming that day or filming the next day and i think she's someone who needs more time yeah to um find herself in that character find herself in that song whatever it is she she is someone who needs to go at, at her own pace i agree i but agree I, I, there's I a perfectionistic she, yeah, streak yes. running through her isn't yes, there there's definitely and the, while in for, for many 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 people perfection is per, perfectionistic traits can be their their success they can also be their downfall mm. it's a real double-edged sword so that's what i think about britta and then because britta and aiden are working together in this in this um maxi ch- in this main challenge mm. do you know what i do love i do love seeing that britta is taking a, a more a, a better approach with aiden she's actually sitting her down saying look last week we we're in the bottom two yeah and we really need to do well in this one and i was like oh yeah she's she's encouraging but i've only seen that when it's one-on-one with aiden when there's other people listening when there's an audience element it, it's it's not there i think it's more when um it gets to the point where she's coming into some criticism and that's when the positivity goes out the window and she's like well it can't be my fault it must be aiden's fault yeah and it it's um it's unfortunate how it pans out, but we'll come to that. I really enjoy Rue's interaction with Widow. Oh. Which girls were upset by the roles they got? I can kind of see that Widow was a little upset she didn't get the character that she wanted. You wanted to play Black China, is that right? <laughs> so you were not happy with your role? I mean, I wanted to play something a little more serious. This is a serious role? For me, it is. Oh. You wanted to play something a little more serious. On RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> it just seems like I'm playing another, like, almost similar role. Yeah, well, you can interpret the role however you want. So, you want to speak about China? So, sorry, you wanted to place a serious role <laughs> on RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> and Widow is saying this to her with absolute, like, yeah. seriousness, isn't she? Like, I just wanted to play it a bit more, a bit more serious. And Rue's like, 
and um, lost Drag Race. <laughs> and everyone's like, ha, ha, ha. And then Widow, fair and play to her, lightens up. Yes. And so, you know, Rue works some magic here. She helps Widow to see kind of like the ridiculousness of her, exactly. of her, of her and, mindset and I think at this and point. And that starts to break down Widow's anger. And, mm-hmm. and you know what? Rue does, Rue's got such, she does such a great job in this moment as well of breaking that tension. She's obviously walked into the room and know people are angry, yeah. but she knows how to calm everyone the hell down. Mm-hmm. She went to Aiden, Aiden, calm your ass down everyone's on the same page who's next yeah. you okay widow this is rupaul's drag race <laughs> this is not this is not an audition for Grey's anatomy <laughs> make me laugh don't she gender says, them please, she says please don't time and time and time again make me laugh yeah. every moment is there like if you play a serious role it's not gonna happen and also the role that she wanted to play wasn't even serious i know it was ridiculous it was a it comedy was, role was, as as all of these uh, little skits are in Drag Race. Yes, it was patently ridiculous, and anybody who's trying to play it seriously, really, uh, they've not watched the show before. Or yeah, something. <laughs> you're you're like, for the wrong program, well, love. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Let's go into our mirror moments, mirror moments. our tragedy mirror moments, the tragedy mirror. Yes, moments. and and this yes. is the time that we start to look at relationships. The part of this, I feel like we should have you know that music. It's like do 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 do. That sounds like Hunger Games. It sounds like the Hunger Games. There's a piece of classical music that they always play at like emotive moments. Well, we can do that. We can do that. Okay, this this segment of the podcast is known as tragedy mirror moments. Okay, I'll add a background to that. You happy? It's like a woodwind thing. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do now. So this part, we look at the relationships and the developing relationships and kind of what's going on, that personal element. And the first thing that I wanted to bring up was Nikki. Let's talk about Nikki. Mm-hmm. She's this episode and the last episode, she started to talk about her insecurity about being French in an American TV show. Yeah. Okay. Help me out here. I mean, you knew that coming into this. You knew this coming yes. into there, and you you knew that would be your downfall. So surely you auditioned because you knew that that's something you've overcome, that it's not going to be a problem. This isn't new info. I wonder if it's something that only becomes apparent when when you're put in a situation like RuPaul's Drag Race, because Nikki's background is more hosting and performance. She's never claimed to be a comedian or an actress. And clearly she has perfect English, but because it's not her first language, she'll be translating in her own head, won't she? Yes. So when it comes to wit, spontaneity, improvisation, she's going to be on a slight delay there Mm. while she translates. And, you know, she probably, yeah, I I don't think it was probably, properly apparent to her until she got there and was like oh right okay so this improv challenge i'm actually kind of struggling with this because th- you know we can't criticize her her english it's fantastic i can i can sympathize because um my i mean i speak fluent samoan mm. but not fl- uh, good enough samoan it's not the best but when i went to samoa like i'm known as being quite f- funny i don't want to you all probably know this <laughs> if i like i'm quite hilarious okay i'm really really <laughs> i'm, I'm damn funny to our listeners to decide yeah. <laughs> i'm really funny and um when i was in samoa talking to my cousins i was like you know i was trying to i was trying to show my personality but i like when i'm trying to translate everything in my head from english to samoan and the jokes get lost in it yeah. because, and then you're overthinking it. And then like, then it's just like, okay, 
I, I give up. So everyone, Absolutely like right. a lot of my family think I'm very, very shy or they, they think mm-hmm. I'm very, very quiet. And I'm like, that is not me. But like, it's really, really hard to translate funny in your head Definitely. into another language because like a lot of the, a wit is in the moment. When you're saying something witty or something reactive to, to be funny, it, it's very, very quick and it's in the moment. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. if you're already trying to, you're thinking that you're trying to translate it, you're, it's already gone. It's already gone if you're trying to do that. That process is gone. So I can sympathize mm. with Nikki in that respect. I completely sympathize with you as well because it's similar when I speak Welsh because it's my second, not my first language. Mm. Oh, are, you, are you trying to like, oh, I also speak a language. Um, <laughs> I just like our listeners to know that I am also. I'm also multilingual, guys. I also have a GCSE in French. <laughs> but um, yes. And also, Nikki, there's, there's a moment with Nikki where, you know, the judges want to see more personality. They want to see more Nikki. You know, we've heard this time and time again. And like, Nikki. It seems that she thinks that showing them a personality or or something different means looking ugly, means changing your makeup. And mm. I, th- I think that she thinks, oh, look, I, I, I chose the ugly baby role. I blacked out all my teeth. Like, come on, like you can't say I don't have personality. And I, I think you're missing the mark there, Nikki. Yeah, it's very yeah. like Ben De La Creme. Ben De La Creme, when Michelle was like, I want to see, see you. And then Ben De La comes in the next week in a different costume. And, she's, and then Michelle's like, that's... It's got nothing to do with your costume. It's mm. it's everything to do with you. I want to see, I want to see you. It's not it's not about the look. So, I, w- I wonder if it's to do with like Nikki being a very visually creative person, and so she'd expect her comedy to be conveyed visually and in terms of look as well. And perhaps she placed too much emphasis on that. And what what she's just not getting, I think, is that we see a lot of Nikki in the work. She actually gets a lot of um, screen time in the workroom. She has. She's and with probably got the most so far. Because she's she's sweet, she's funny, and she's goofy. And she clearly has good links with the other girls as well. You know, she's always socializing with them. And uh, it's just a shame that that hasn't translated to her performances per se. And clearly she's she's cognizant of that. Mm, another great moment is um let's talk let's talk about mother. Let's talk about ma- that's uh, mother by time. By mother, do you mean RuPaul? No, I'm talking about like a biological, <laughs> biological mum. So there's oh, there's such a there's such a sweet sweet moment um, with Jackie, which which leads into an, another queen um, self disclosure really. And Jackie's talking about, I, I think, how did it, how did it even come about? Was it? Heidi talking about her relationship with her mum? No, it was was actually, you know, really indicative of the elephant in the room, really. Sherry was asked if the inspiration for her character um, came from her own mother figures. And she was like, no, no, my mum's great. She's a um, she's a proper stage mom kind of thing. Very, very patently obvious that Sherry was edited out of this bit. Yeah. uh, Which is the decision that the the crew have made just made the start of this conversation quite awkward and difficult to follow really like she wasn't even visible when she was talking um but i guess it led them to doing a close-up in particular on poor jackie who's becoming quite tearful um and jackie was able to speak about specifically her mum who is iranian um and holds that set of values in terms of being a person who's moved to the USA determined to make a good life for a family and conveying those family those family 
values and those values of success and provision, I think, to her children. And the emphasis being on you need a good career, you need to be earning, you need to be providing, you need to be secure kind of thing, wasn't it? But Jackie said that she really didn't have an interest in being a doctor, um, which was the the message she was getting from her parents. And she really, her passion was for performance. Um, yeah, it what is, do you think of that? Um, it is the classic immigrant mm. dream. It's the, 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 the classic moving to um, a more developed country, mm. a, a, another country with much more opportunities um, compared to the one that you've come from. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They've, they've, you, you come from, wherever she was, Iran? Iran, yeah. Like, you know, what opportunities are really there? There's war there. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot going on there. You move to America because you want something better for your family. The, it's, the, it's the classic immigrant dream. I want my children to be happy. I want yeah. them to be successful. I want them to take all the opportunities that I didn't get to, to have. But I'm blessing this to my kids. And what an honor and privilege. Also, not just that. I'm going to work 24 hours a day. But I'm going to work seven days a week long hours to put you through this and i'm sacrificing my life to give it to you what can you do for me you can become a doctor you can say thank yeah. you to me by being a doctor you can say thank you to me by being a lawyer you can be thank you to me by by getting a job that's that's going to make me proud and make all of this worthwhile and going into the performing arts you didn't leave that country to come here and sing and dance around, mm -hmm. let alone dress up as a girl. Like what shame and disrespect would that bring your family? And this is not just Iran. This is every immigrant family. A lot of a lot of families in New Zealand. A lot of families in um and and uh, from from the UK. A lot of, a lot of the this is universal. It's, it's my family. My my parents mm -hmm. had the same dream. They moved from Samoa to New Zealand, and they were like, "Cool, we want you to get a good job." It's 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 that classic thing. So I mean, I mean, I feel for Jackie in this moment mm -hmm. because it's it. It is going to be humiliating to Jackie and to the family um, if the secret gets out and on a big show. Well, it's an, another interesting situation. It's a bit like with Kim Chi. Mum didn't know about Kim Chi being a drag queen, let alone going on Drag Race. And it's one of those things where you kind of like think, this must force a conversation, really. You don't want your parents to find out this way. Surely you want to tell them and show them yourself. What was clear to me, though, as well, though, was that the um, the values that um, Jackie's family had instilled in her in terms of work ethic, because she's clearly striven to be where she is today. You know, I remember her saying in the Meet the Queen, she's really hardworking queen, working in New York, doing a lot of those evening slots, wasn't she? She, she said that she was the queen of not nightlife, but evening life in New York. So she's clearly a hardworking queen, taking slots that other people might not consider very glamorous. Mm. Um, and so she's got that work ethic instilled in her from her family. And I would imagine that there's still an element of her really, really working to be the best that she can be at being a drag queen in order to still make her mother proud so that yeah. in some realm she's being successful. Jada sort of pipes up, doesn't she? And she tries to say something helpful. Yeah. She really does try to say something helpful, but she might have a slight misunderstanding of that specific relationship because I think she's speaking from her own experience. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I was really feeling for Jackie. And then when Jada mm. gave in, and I think Jada feels like she... There's always that someone that feels like they can say something in the moment to make mm. you feel better. She felt she had some insight, but yeah. it, it probably wasn't 
I don't think that I think it she was, was trying though. She was trying oh, to say something. Oh, God, God loves yeah. a trier. <laughs> God loves a trier. But <laughs> Absolutely. You're missing um, the mark there. And this actually, oh, and I love this. This actually, the, the, beautiful, thing, the beautiful thing about self-disclosure is that it encourages self-disclosure. And so, in this pressure cooker yes, environment, it really, really does. And, and, yeah, and it's magnified in yeah. this pressure cooker. So, widows, widows' walls come down, and then we hear about the story about widows' relationship and story with his mother. Yeah. Widow, how how are you feeling? Uh, talking about moms has always been super hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um. My mom died in a car crash when I was 17. Oh my God, so sorry. And just knowing that she never is gonna have the chance to see me, you know, live this dream and be who I am and finally come out. And I have no relationship with family. Like no one knows that I'm married in my family. No one knows that I'm even here. I never got to come out to her, never got to talk to her, never. And we had an argument the day she died, and I never got to, like, mend that. I stormed out of the house, and I left with my friends, and the next thing I know, the police are knocking on the door, and they say her mother passed away in a car crash. And it felt like everything just went silent. Ugh. Now, that's quite a heartbreaking story. It really is. And, and Widow's raw emotion was palpable. I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here, as I always me? do. Yes. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for a therapy, therapy moment. Or just, just, just give, me, give, me, give me some of your professional professional, professional experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> give, me, give me something here. Speak to me about this moment. And if you want me to be Widow, then I'll be Widow. But... What is this? We're not going to do role yeah. play. Let's do role play. <laughs> no. No, give me, can you break down this moment for me of how the, she's feeling and, and how that may affect her and, and, and also how she can heal? The thing that came through um, strongest for me was that it was a really tragic ending for that relationship. Obviously, Widow was talking about her mum and it, it sounds like they were actually close. You know, she talks about if mum was still here, she'd be my biggest supporter. Widow was 17 and they had an argument, as many 17-year-olds have with their family. There's a normal part of growing up. She stormed out of the house with her friends. And then she found out that her mum had died in a car crash, which raises a lot of questions as well. And the, the, the strongest sense I got was, was was guilt around the ending of that relationship, wishing that things had been different in terms of their last conversation. I did have this slight sense of what, why was Widow's mum in that car? You know, was she looking for Widow? I, I don't know. You know, it was it was hard to decipher. But I had like this, just listening to it, I had this really deep sense of sadness for Widow and what she must have experienced that time during her formative years. And yeah, just the, the, there must be a very complex grief reaction arising from that it's not not just the loss of a parent at a young age it's the loss of a parent at a young age in very difficult circumstances and with with a really negative last conversation i mean widow seems like on the whole like a really grounded sensible person and it this lends a bit more sheds a bit more light onto why she can be very closed off in her emotions at times and why she can at other times shift in her emotions and become quite angry 
but role play might actually be helpful in this situation. I know we were talking about it in in a joking way a minute ago, but when there's when there's a lot left unsaid, when there's a negative final conversation in a safe space with a therapist that she trusted very much and had built up a good relationship in terms of reflecting on those difficult emotions that might be hard to let go, that might be a really cathartic experience for her. It was it was very saddening and very, very hard to watch, I thought, actually, because Widow's emotions were so genuine and so palpable. Um, but it was lovely to see the other girls supporting her. Yes, it was lovely to see that that vulnerable moment. Mm-hmm. And you know what happened automatically? Me and I, I'm sure everyone else is now, okay, cool, we like you now. You've let me in. We've always liked Widow. But she, she did come off quite hard. There was another layer off. of vulnerability. Yeah, there was, it was the very, vulnerability that we're always oh, going on about. Oh, it's all about the V. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's all about the V. Oh. Uh, no, but, it, but it's, it's very, very true. You've let me in. I can empathize with you. And I feel sorry for you. And do you, you know what? I, I like you now. You're human. There's that human part that we, that in, as another human, you can relate to in some way or another, mm. whether it be I, I've been through it or whether it be that I can empathize or whether it be like I, I want to be there to support you it's there now she's opened that up yeah. and and um, I, I think I think we can all feel for that so that was another mirror moment oh wow it, was, it got quite deep I a lot think of tears there. we have had enough of the tra- tragedy mirror for today yeah. let's move <laughs> on some let's have a shot and move on <laughs> <laughs> no seriously I need to drink hold up okay okay so- ASMR ah all right okay yes let's actually get into the main gig yep so we're going to chat about the girls kind of just like a brief little review individually aren't we um well you know what if if i feel like it needs commenting i'll I'll comment on it but i just want to look at it as a whole and appreciate the actual production so the gaze anatomy i'll I'll have to say first of all this is probably one of the best writings i mean it wasn't the the best writing it's not amazing but it was one of the best writings we've had in a very 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 long time fully agree and i think part of that is because there was a lot of improv opportunities so the improving skills added to um the excellence of this as a whole so props not just to the writing and in brackets but props to the actors who brought that element that elevated the actual gaze anatomy yeah because i think we've got a really strong cast of of acting girls here which definitely lifted it as you say but i think it, it's it's something that's often leveled at Drag Race that sometimes these comedy skits are completely nonsensical and really, really hard to follow. And that's because they don't have writers on the staff. They, they've got like kind of reality TV show, like storyboard writer type people, but not proper professional writers. Mm. And I think that's why they come off as so amateurish and nonsensical a lot of the time. This was very, very, very good. And I think part of that was to do as well the setting because it lent itself to having like a series of little skits, almost like comedy sketches stitched together with the narrative of like Dr. Gray, Dr. Yeah. Gay rather. When it comes to these acting challenges, what do we expect? What do you, what, what do you want to see? Cause for, for me going into this, I'm looking for someone to be over the top. I'm looking for someone to be to be quite funny, to own their characters. And when I think about successful queens in the past, I think about Jinx Monsoon yeah. in season five um, and yeah. her... <laughs> 
You think you got to mess around with that over, Milia? I think about Hilda. I think about also, I think about Alaska. I think about Alaska in that same challenge. I think about Bob the Drag Queen and oh, the yeah. Rucos, the Empire. I think about Forgy even Forgy Thor and yeah. the, 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 the Empire. I think about um, Ginger Minge in XXX. That's which slightly is, different because that was a musical. It's a musical, chance, but it's also it, but... The, the acting came through the OTT. Well, Ginger Minge in the um, Whatever Happened to uh, Mel Ginsburg. That was like their closest approximation in that season. Ginger was fantastic. And G- Katya? G- no, just Ginger. Um, <laughs> and who else? Who, who else? Oh. Kenya <laughs> Michael. I kind of like her, and I'm joking. She like was <laughs> just, just had to give her a mention. But these are the queens. Um, these are the queens who have brought something to the 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 acting challenges, and this is what I want to see. These are the the queens who have given me that that have set the standard for what to bring to the acting challenges. <laughs> Mimi, I'm first. Just popped into my head, and the season Mimi, I'm first. The... Mimi, I'm first. Was Ziggy and the I could not I believe, believe it. it. <laughs> I remember her in Drag Queens in Space, just with a massively over performance no really i'm joking (laughs) this is what i'm kind of expecting so yeah let's get into looking at it my standouts for this was um i'm gonna say it voldemort no i'm gonna say (laughs) sherry pie like you cannot she is an actress you couldn't like her improv bam she stole every scene yes she she was literally the scenes she wheeled in there and she was making me laugh. Yes. And her, you're right, because the improv was... Because we saw what they had in the rehearsal wasn't the same as what was in the finished cut. Because she was talking about, you know, it's back to me. Now, this ring should be on this hand or yeah, this hand. And then in the in the finished product, she was like, so this turtleneck. I mean, I like it because it covers my chin, but to give me too much chin. Yes. It was just really, really, really good. And, and you can't knock her. And those are the moments that were funny. And it was the improv. So um, that's what I was talking about. Queens who bring that something extra yeah. to the actual role. Um, Widow. Like for all so, your so negative, for yeah. all your negative um, energy towards not getting the role you want, you you brought it. Like she, yeah. her improv week was like, ah, oh, that was for the white party. Ah. It was really, really good. And then um, the moment where she's talking to um, Nikki and Nikki starts speaking French, she's like, I was just yeah. like, and then her just her <laughs> acting, like, you know what? I know that girl. I know her. You know, uh-huh. you everyone we we know her, and like she was just giving us realness i just i re- and the journey that her acting took on her anger into comedy back into anger into like i was just widow was amazing like props to her for like snapping into it and you know just like i've got to shake this off now and i've got to perform and she did it and that that's Real sign of professional, I think. Yep. Well done, Widow. A- another, an- another one. Um, who, who was it? it? Was Jackie Cox? I really liked okay, Jackie yeah, Cox. Yeah, Jackie who, was great. Who played the the meek character of um, Meredith Grey? Yes. Right. Um, he, who played it right in the sense of that we're taking a piss take? So she kind of the the way her affectations, her acting was mm-hmm. very, very much what I would think someone mocking Grey would be. Okay, so I I'm I, actually quite unfamiliar with the source. Oh. I can't watch medical dramas because it feels like being in work. Oh, I I I never. never Do you know what? Have. I grew up watching Grey's Anatomy, but I will still watch it to this day because it's one of those things that made me cry. They got such a good storyline, and it would never fail to really take me there. And then sometimes <laughs> I'd just be like bawling because it's such a good damn show. I love it. Do you know who made me laugh every time I saw them on screen? Who? Aiden Zane. Like I actually really really enjoyed Aiden's performance. I'll okay. tell you why. It was a bit like you know. 
I mean, it may have been a bit lacking in self-awareness, but do you remember when, like, Alyssa was like, um, Alyssa as Faye Dunaway as Joan Crawford? Mm -hmm. This was like Aidan Zane as Alaska, as yes. Mae West. It's like that was her source material for Mae West. You know West. what? I, th I think every drag queen now, every yeah. drag queen, if you ask them who Mae West is, yeah. they'll do Alaska's Mae West. Oh, and what she'll come up and f*** me in the ass sometime. Oh, bubbles. Sorry for, sorry for swearing there. Um, but like, she made me laugh and like, it was, it was silly and she did the ghosty thing really well. And, you know, she she bounced really well off Britta. Needed a little bit of prompting, and they they made quite a big deal out of that. But um, she genuinely, genuinely um, made me laugh. And even her look, she looked like she'd been fished out of a river somewhere. Um, how do I feel about Aiden's performance? Um, yeah, I mean, I I saw what she was going for, and I do think that um, she does come alive when she's next. I don't think it was her best acting. I could see the the struggle with mm. it, but I found that it kind of worked <laughs> it just did like it, it just kind of worked like, i'm not mad at it i'm okay with it to be honest it was a silly comedy sketch and she made me laugh yeah so there was, there's a couple of other girls who i thought were like um well like solid and like held their scenes quite well like jan jan did a decent job i think she went very big mm. but like it the the scenes called for it again it was silly spoofy medical drama yep um and britta britta i think was was again solid and i don't think there was like a massive amount to criticize you know what britta on the end scene from what we see in the maxi challenge on the main stage from mm. what i saw britta there i thought she would have been safe me too however they really concentrated on her bad takes in the rehearsals really to did. justify why we're putting her in the bottom but yeah. i i wouldn't have put her in the bottom with that on with what i saw on the main stage at all yep me too like yep. in in many other seasons she would have been solid or even high mm. i don't know if i'm over egging the pudding a bit there but mm. definitely at least safe the other one was Gigi's a surprise. She's always a oh, surprise yes, in these Gigi. situations. Like, and, and it was it was said there, like, I actually thought she was just going to be a look queen. I'm seeing backflips. Mm. I'm seeing her be a good actor. I'm seeing her rapping. I'm like, yeah. this girl's, she, she she's really coming. She's she really, really coming like, out. occupied this character. Again, I don't really know the source material, but, like, she was doing, like, this eye-crossing and speaking to her cat and just being really kooky. And I just really, really enjoyed her. No. The ones that I did see struggle was Nikki. I um, mm. I Nikki was a clear bottom for me. Um, they're all bottoms. They're, yeah, she was a clear bottom for me. I didn't see much improv from there. I did see struggling a lot. Thank God for Widow who helped carry her through that yeah, scene. Yeah. So Widow, for all the negative um, energy that she was giving in the workroom and in that in that moment we saw, yeah. she really did come alive and she really did carry the scenes with her and Nikki in it. I like uh, Nikki's look though. She was like Edith Piaf the homeless years. Mm. Poor little Ellie Mae. <laughs> that was a very Tara Sanchez character. Well, that's the, that should have been like the inspiration, shouldn't it? I also like, and, and the last one we need to have a look on here is um, Heidi and Crystal, who I feel like didn't have a big role totally in agree. this. Totally agree. didn't have a big role in this, so it was hard for me to re really look at it. Like, they could have just been people that walked in and out of a very scene. Very that. They were very separate, and they were interwoven into the yeah. other scenes 
Um, so they were at a, di- a disadvantage from, from the that moment. Point of view. I-, I have to say, one of my favorites was the cameo from our Brock Eli. <laughs> our Brock Eli. That was, was really, quite really cute, cool. wasn't it? When she just wheeled in. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, and looking stunning as always. The only person we've not mentioned actually is Jada, who. Um, oh, Jada. I, th- I think Jada just didn't have her usual like charismatic presence because she was really, really struggling with the lines. And you could tell when she was delivering them, she just wanted to try and deliver the line, but didn't bring the characterization. I saw her thought process I think and like, I think Jada was actually one of the weakest this week I, I like, have, she I, was the one who looked like she was acting the most I agree that she was definitely a bottom there and I'm who were you performing to like when she was saying her lines I was yeah. I was like who are you talking to girl like mm. she was she wasn't in the moment she wasn't in the scene and I could see I could see her thinking about her lines so um, I mean, yeah, th- that's what I have to say about that moment. So when we look at them as a whole, I I, I do think that she is part of the bottom. Yeah. Um, okay, so so that was that. Let's look at the main stage, okay? Let's have a quick look at the girls on um, what they bring to the runway. They look so Planet of the Cape. Okay, now quick, let's start with Jada. So Jada, I think, actually took this kind of literally Planet of the Capes because she had a real like, 60s, 50s B-movie vibe to her, didn't she? So it was very like like early sci-fi so she had the like mars attacks hair as they mentioned it had like this you know flash gordon forbidden planet type of feel to it also reminded me a little bit of magenta in the rocky horror show in her look um, right at the end with the big shoulders and the beehive hair but do you know what jader always brings like perfect body mug and hair yeah she looks like a gay superhero Let's look. What about Britta? I actually really like. I actually really like Britta's look. You know what? She is the queen of giving you body and shape. I thought I Britta think, looked fantastic, yes, and I did not understand the I, critiques that she I got. I really loved her look. I loved. I do wish the cape was bigger, but I did like that the cape was subtle because if it was any more red, yeah, would have you wouldn't see her shape. I agree. Like I understand what the judges said. Like, oh, it's a cape challenge. The cape should be the feature, but the character was yes, was like an S and M little red riding hood, exactly. which is of course a capey character. She That's had the hood and everything. Mm. And I completely agree that she would have been swamped if it was a heavier cape and i love the way the chiffon flowed yeah love it, it i've written little little red riding crop <laughs> nice okay what about jackie i jackie. Lo- I, I really like yes, it and re- jackie and it's, it's what we expect from her she always gives you her she always gives you she her does. on the runaway and like is she she's giving us an Ira- iranian persian kind of dancer so she's drawing on like her two main influences i think that are like her persian background and um kind of like 60s aesthetic mm. so i thought this looked kind of like quite bob mackie-esque because it was a two-piece and with the cape with the with the handles oh, oh he's got references oh. Mm, oh she reads sometimes um and like she had this persian headdress and i thought it was like she was kind of like a persian goddess like an eater or something mm. um and it put me in mind of you know like safina in tekken and it could be like a really cool alternate costume for her yeah, yeah. Or it's very similar to what you can create because yeah, that's part of what yeah. you can do on tekken what about jen now i want to shout out to b who b clocked this b mm-hmm. said that that's we all know b b you know b friend of the pod <laughs> former guest former and future guest star yes um so the costume that she wore is exactly what she wore on x factor except she just added a cape and Mm -hmm. you know what it looks like a cost like there's 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 
what I'm looking for when I'm looking at something that is a cape challenge is I want to see the cape as a feature or as inspiration for the costume. Part of the storyline. Yes. So this costume that Jan wears, I feel like it is an add-on. It was an afterthought. Yeah. And if, and then now I find out it actually was because this yeah. is exactly what she wore to X Factor without the cape. So she literally just pulled it out of the closet and added the cape to it. I didn't yeah. like it. It's a boot. Well, wow. Um, so it was another sports reference for Jan, wasn't it? Because it was the um, skydiving. Um, but you're right. It was an add-on to an existing outfit. Like stripped of that kind of like backstory I, I don't think it looked bad personally I would have liked the cut of the leotard to be a bit higher because that was a bit frumpy remind me a bit of um, when I went to see Girls Loud a few years ago for their Tangled Up tour and they came down like these X-Men inspired outfits with capes in the, the first act and it kind of reminded me of that alright um, let's look at Gigi um, I, I, it was like Candyman you know Christina Aguilera's Candyman yeah. Candyman yeah I just I, it really took me to there and that's it this it is very nice. like chic wearable fashion it was the kind of thing that we've seen on the runways for like Burberry and Celine because like Kate Plitz are really in at the moment well obviously we're heading into spring now so less so but over the winter like Kate Plitz were like a real thing weren't they mm. um, she mentioned the um, Troop Beverly Hills reference and there's that Girl Scouts vibe. I've not seen Troop Beverly Hills but I quite like to see it because a lot of drag queens seem to reference it. Okay. What about Miss Sherry Pie? I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Um, it's the I was like it's Ginger Minge, Ginger Minge's look. I don't the like leather the leather and lace look the, that she did. Yeah, I don't mm. like the Alvis skirt. I, I I just don't think the skirt was done right. I think it could have been brought a little bit more in to create like a mermaid mm. kind of cinch there. Um, she couldn't walk very easily in it. She was very stiff in yeah, her walk. I, I didn't like it. And this is the first look of hers I didn't like. No, actually, I didn't like her um, tall look either. Mm, I mean, I, th- I think with Sherry, this is what we've come to expect. Like, she's got lots of really campy references, and I appreciated the... Uh, I like any kind of, like, drag take on a, like, hyper-masculine look, and who's more hyper-masculine than Elvis Presley? Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that take on it. I see what you mean. The dress is a bit kind of ill-fitting and schlumpy and things. So, yeah, still wouldn't boot it. Okay. Um, Heidi, you know what she she really took me. She looks like Kennedy Kennedy Devonport, well, I, very old school kind of diva. And I didn't know what that corset was doing in there. Mm. And I, and again, I thought that the cape was an afterthought. I funny you should mention Kennedy because I was put in mind of another Davenport, Akira, um, with her caftan look. Oh, which yes. again was the the. The problem that I have with both these looks is that the the black jumpsuit was quite dissociated from the colourful wing. Um, so it, it just felt like two separate things. It was just one of my least favourites on the runway, to be honest. Yep. Um, even though I love Heidi to bits, oh, this yeah. disappointed me a bit. Cool. Crystal. I really like this. I love the bright crayon box colours. Now, she made me think of like some 70s pop star and they mentioned Rita Coolidge, but like maybe think of like maybe Karen Carpenter or somebody like that. I mean, RuPaul said Polynesian Princess. And I didn't get that. I did not get that. I'm, no, no way. It if was it, not. What I got more, and I, again, I think this is a strong thread running through Crystal's aesthetic is Frida Kahlo because um, she always often has those floral themes and brights. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked, I love the bright yellow and um, Crystal's go-to, I think, is a wide-legged um, jumpsuit because she wore it for her spring look in the first episode. I liked that it was big. Uh, it was also very honey mahogany, I felt, mm. but I, I didn't know. For me, it just looked 
cheap. This could I didn't have... like the color. I liked it. I, this is another one that could have been a share look. Okay. And so could um, uh, Jackie. That could have been a share look. Aiden Zane. Aiden Zane. Aiden if Zane. you wear that, we. I, I just give up. Oh, I just like Aiden Zane. Like, come on, I'm trying. I'm trying to love you, <laughs> Aiden. Like, come on, help me out, here, girl. I mean, her thing is having that the same wig. Her thing is having the same wig. I mean, crop. Now, I love the reference for this. Doesn't necessarily mean that it translated to the overall look per se, but Silence of the Lambs is one of my favorite films ever. So when she walked out there with that moth over her lips, like Jodie Foster on the cover of, well, I used to have the VHS of Silence of the Lambs, and on the front cover it was um, Jodie Foster with the, the the death's head moth on her lips. Um, I thought that was gorgeous, and I assume she, she it's unfortunate she mentioned it before she turned around because I would have got it without her mentioning it. The cape that she wore is visible in Buffalo Bill's basement, like next to the woman's suit in Silence of the Lambs. And I remember in the book, it said that specifically Buffalo Bill loved creating Versace knockoffs. And it was one of those. Unfortunately for Aiden, I think this is a bit of a trend for her. She loves piling detail quite high up and forgets about the rest of the outfit because the rest of it was quite a plain black jumpsuit. However, loved the reference, so I kind of loved it. Um, What about Weave? A weave. What Weaver? About Widow? Weaver? Sigourney Weaver? Um, Widow Von Du. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I don't... I, I think she's, she painted her face a bit too white and then that against the green weave. I, I like the weave except for the front. I liked it from the back. I loved all that mm. green and how long the ponytail was. I did I did like the dress. I love the realness. That, that's her actual titties. Those are her bosoms. The realness. The realness. <laughs> and she did a bit of a Janet Jackson style reveal, a bit of a wardrobe malfunction, didn't she? But it wasn't a malfunction. It was fully intentional. Yeah. I don't like that her um, cape actually blended too much with her costume and then I would lose mm. that shape and I'd lose the silhouette. I mean... Widow loves bright colors, and I actually really like this this color combination because I like it when there's like a corally pink against a green, not when it wanders into purple though. Um, and so I like that. And she said it was like watermelon inspired, which mm. was fun. It was a fun, bright look. And Widow loves to show off her her curvy body, doesn't she? I, mean, I do like it though. I do. I do like. It. I just don't like that weave in the makeup. The last one we've got is Nikki. What do you think of Nikki? I thought she looked One of my favourites. Like, she looked... That's realness. And there was such a storyline as well. Very so, Amazon superhero lady. Very, yes. like, Victoria's Secret. Very, very much of that. Like, she just, she just looked gorgeous. Like, yeah. sexy. Very, very beautiful. Sexy. What I thought was, it was kind of like, you know, the Fifth Element? You know Lilu from Fifth Element, Mia Jovovich? Um, and it's it's almost like that character, but she's leveled up and evolved and become this like um, super heroine with like this bionic armor that she's borrowed off C three PO or or Beyonce. Um, so I think she's stunning, and she she made reference to you know again like she's so clever with referencing her French heritage. So she referenced Thierry Mugler and um, Joan of Arc um, as her influences there. And she just looked beautiful. They criticized her for not having much of a cape, but I think it was just like it was like a lovely, elegant waterfall cape coming off the back. Just mm. this, just gentle bit of white chiffon. Like nothing else was necessary. Be gilding the lily. I, I know. I know what she was going for. It, it looks really, really good. But like, if the theme is cape, 
I do think there's something should be added to the cape to make it more of a standout. Although I do appreciate that it was supposed to be a very, very kind of s- subtle type of a cape that was like a, a gown just falling off her. Her aesthetic is highly edited, I think. She's very, very good at restraint and elegance, which is very French, isn't it? Um, so that's what she presented. Okay, it could have been capier if it had been a, a bigger, more flowing mm. cape, but that's not what she wanted. Now, the beauty of all of this is that They've halved it. So there were, was it six people who were safe? There well, were tops. The tops yeah, and bottoms. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, was yeah. six tops. Was mm-hmm. there six tops? The tops were... It was six tops and five bottoms. The tops was Aiden, Widow, Jackie, Sherry, and Jan. Kind of everybody, and Gigi. Kind of everybody we praised apart from Britta. Yeah. Um, so they were, they were, they were the tops and they were safe. The winner overall was Sherry Pie. Congratulations. But I also felt like Widow was a very, very, very close contestant. Widow really like she blew it out. She knocked it out of the park. So everyone Jackie else could have been in the, the running bottom. for being so solid, I think. No, no, no. It w- it w- Widow and Jackie was, was in the most scenes, I think, as well. Yes, still Widow or Sherry. And so everyone else stayed behind there in the bottom. Now we got to the best part of the season, <laughs> which is like the most awkward moment mm. where RuPaul says, who do you think should go home now, tonight? Ru loves this question yes. and Ru hates a very specific response to this question. And that response is the noble, you know, I nominate myself as tribute. <laughs> she hates that. She does not want any uh, Katniss Everdeen's. No, she does not want troop. that. So she does, and she, you know what? She doesn't reward that either. She Chanel, punishes it. Chanel, season one, says she should go I'm home. I'm so glad you asked me that question. I would like to nominate myself. And who went home? Chanel. And <laughs> Miss season, Mandarin. And season eleven, when she asked that question, and. Who said they should be in the bottom? All of them. And who and ended who up in the bottom? All, all of them. them. Rue punishes this <laughs> response. Rue, Rue wants good reality TV and Rue wants conflict. So yeah. Rue wants you to call out some other girl and to yeah. give a good reason for it. Or even better, to have a petty reason for it. Yeah. Um, so she does not enjoy Nikki's, you know, it's very like, oh, noble responses made me want to puke. Yeah. She wants something more like, maybe next time I will sing and maybe she wear another whore of a dress she has on right now. <laughs> Name that drag queen. <laughs> I love Name that. Name that drag queen, yeah. fans. Did you know it? <laughs> Three, two, one. Answer is? Tara Sanchez. Nice. I knew you'd know it. I just knew you knew it. Well, you performed the whole piece right in front of me. <laughs> so so, so, that's, so that's, that, 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 that was the question that was asked to our mm. girls, to our lovely girls. And everyone said Nikki. Even Nikki, except for Jada. And Jada said... Jada singled out Heidi. Singled out Heidi. And then Nikki, when, when RuPaul asked her, choose someone else besides yourself. After Nikki nominated mm. herself to go home, because that's what she did. She put herself... She sent herself home. Nikki had an air of resignation about herself yes. at this point. Um, which is which is a shame because I really like Nikki. Yeah. So she also said Heidi. So basically, that, that's what happened. Now this energy carried on into the Untucked, and I actually really want to have a, a quick talk about the Untucked because it was one of the juiciest Untucked we've had since Vixens. Go have your cigarette, bitch, because it's done. It's it's been a while since I've had an explosive moment like that. What's happened in Untucked this week is that. Britta's come off stage, obviously very, very Cardi B pressed. 
She's I have opinions angry. about those. Yeah, she's very, very angry that she's in the bottom. I kind of think rightfully so, but she's angry in the bottom. And instead of instead of looking at herself or or, or really just God knows what, she comes into the backstage, says, you know what, we're asked who should have been home. And I'm very, very angry because the person who should have been sent home actually wasn't there. And then she said, they asked her who, and it seems like it was edited. There was a funny in. little edit because she wasn't visible when yes, she said Aiden but she and there was did a jump. Aiden, but we knew she was talking about it because she does mention it as she continues she on does, to this does. rant. She clearly thinks Aiden. And then, and then she goes off at Aiden and now she's basically saying Aiden like, you know what, well, I carried you through the scene today at Gay's Anatomy and me and Sherry carried you on that scene the other day. I think, I think that Britta being put in the bottom was very production driven decision i think they're very very keen to push this narrative of um britta versus aiden you know the kind of like the seasoned queen who has the extensive cv who just not is not being appreciated in this competition a bit like chanel um but pitting her against the kind of ingenue who um has something about her but is really unpolished so I wouldn't be surprised if production played a hand with them being in the same scene together. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody whispered in Gigi and Nikki's ear there. Um, and I think the decision to put Britta in the bottom rather than safe. And again, it was weird judging. You know, they had just tops, just bottoms. They didn't have safe this week, in which case Britta would have easily been safe. Yep. It was to force this conflict. And it was really unpleasant, I thought. Um, I think Britta's... Um, anger kind of understandably boiled over um, but a bunch of girls got involved and it wasn't very pretty because I really felt for Aiden. Aiden was sitting there safe. She did not make that decision. Aiden didn't put herself in the interior illusions lounge. Um, you know and yeah she was like she was, I felt like she was being picked on. I didn't like it. Um, but she stood up for herself. She did. Think. She, she did. Because um, I think, what was it? The Aiden said something along the lines of, um, when I got my critiques, I learned from my mistakes and I corrected it. Jada saw that as a personal attack. She did. She personalized and that. Then, and Jada, and then everyone was saying, let her speak. Let Aiden have her moment. And then Jada said, okay, have your moment. And then Jada said, no, you didn't let me have my moment. And try to take it back from Aiden. The, wasn't really respecting that Aiden was trying to really, really vent how she felt and putting her feelings above Aiden. And I feel like Jada has a certain way where she feels she gives herself permission to talk over people when she feels that she's better than them. I think Jada is used to commanding attention. I think she's probably really well respected in the arena in which she works and is used to a certain hierarchy and commanding attention. And she's not used to people like Aiden. Nikki, then, then Nikki gets on her. So they've got Jada on Aiden. We've got Nikki on Aiden. We've got Britta on Aiden. And, mm, and it's and, kind of uncharacteristic of Nikki because Nikki is generally quite sweet and pleasant. Mm. But I think she was very kind of like, I'm in the bottom and I'm pretty much going home. So they're all going off at Aiden. And I, I remember I was rooting for Aiden. I'm like, yes, get she it. Won. Like Vince. And she took them all on. She was giving it back there. She was giving it back there, giving it back there. She wasn't backing down. She kept talking. She kept going. She kept saying her She was her like a, a ferocious little ferret, wasn't she? And I just gave 
like I had so much respect for Heidi. Heidi left yeah. there and she's like, they need to stop picking on her. And then as as Aiden was still fighting the fight against everyone, because mm. she does get it from everyone, and they're like, no one's attacking you. Are you guys blind? Are you deaf? You're all attacking her. Yeah. The whole you're attacking her right now. And like people are very she was like, very, very like she's safe, to, get over it. Yeah, they're, they're trying to diminish her experience. They're trying to diminish mm. how she feels by saying, No one's attacking you. Like mm. are you are you blind? Heidi's <laughs> storming in saying Y'all need to leave her alone. She's obviously uh, bothered. Leave her alone. And then she's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I'm it was like a Britney hiding. Spears video, wasn't it? Was it was so good mm. to finally have an ally for Aiden. It, yeah. was, it was so good. And, and Heidi, like, I just, my heart went out. She's dead, but she's she's got your back. One thing that I think was a really valid thing to point out is some of the girls, like Jackie, who's quite level-headed, was quite like, girl, you never kiki with us. You don't kind of reach out to us and it's hard to, to penetrate. I think it's, a, you know, in Aiden's defense. How been, can, how can that? Because from, yeah, from the get-go, from the get-go, from the second she and walked in, you have all been at her. And I of think, course your guards are up. I think that's been a theme in her life. I think she's used to having to fight a corner, finding it hard to trust people and to let people in. But in order to make the most of this competition and enjoy it going forward, she's going to have to let a couple of girls in and to have a little bit of camaraderie. So I hope that comes from this. And she's got an ally in Heidi, potentially in Jackie, and hopefully some of the other girls just like stop picking on her. Yeah. Having said that, the other thing is kind of like, you know, they're drag queens. It's a competition. They're going to get heated and they're going to get bitchy. Of course, egos. Of course egos they are. Clear. And what good reality TV they're making. All right, so that was the untucked. The bottom two this week is Nikki and Heidi. Nikki and Heidi, um, both of whom we do love. I mean, yeah, and rightfully so, they should have been. They should have been in the bottom. Now Definitely, let's talk about yeah. the the lip sync. Um, for me, there was a clear winner in Heidi. I think Heidi took you on the emotional journey. Of when I look at it, she captures the emotion of the song early. And once she tells you how she feels and that emotion, then the rest of it becomes a journey. Yeah. Then she starts to perform. And uh, and this is, you know, there's there's a freedom after she expresses the emotion. So, so it is a story. There's a performance element of it that I love. I'll tell you what I do love. I love the fact that even though I know she can do backflips, I know she can do cartwheels, I, I know that she can stand on her head, I know that she can uh, jump in death drop, I know she can do all of that, but she didn't do it because the song doesn't call for it. And a lot of the times we see queens go into a lip sync and just doing things that doesn't really marry to the song or the music. Mm music or the lyrics they go there and they pull out every single gimmick and i love the fact that heidi didn't do that i I really really do not to say that nikki was bad i really felt like the song was for nikki it played to her strengths because it was kind of like it was kim petras wasn't she Mm -hmm. and she's obviously she's german so it had like that european synth pop kind of quite elegant restrained quality to it and Nikki did a good job of kind of like making shapes and looking very model-esque mm. and but also conveying emotion. I yes. thought she was great. Um, um, unfortunately, Heidi just seemed to have more fight in her. Yep. And Nikki did not. I think Nikki had resigned. As, and there was a nice moment in Untucked as well where Nikki said to Heidi kind of like, you you know, I love you to bits. You better fight when you're out there if you're lip syncing. And that's how the cookie crumbled. Yes, and so... Um, or the, the, the Madeleine crumbled. 
rightfully so, Haydn deserved to stay, Hayden? and it was uh, it, it was like like the last two lip syncs were very very blase, flase da, very flase da. Um, this one was okay. This one was okay, and I really do love the emotion that I got from from Heidi. Yeah. I, you know, I, I really do feel like she could have done more. There are there are times I could see in her face wondering what Nikki was doing, but I think once she lost herself in her own movements, mm. she was fine. She brought a drag element to it. She tried to be a bit, bit funny later on, but then that permission is given because like she's already told the story. Yeah. Like you know, she's already told her she's heartbroken, and then the rest is a manifestation of that heartbreak. The rest is the journey. So I did appreciate that. And I love that she was reserved. So congratulations to Heidi. And we say farewell to our French queen. We say au revoir. Au revoir. A bientôt. Yes. And that's um, pretty much it. That was well, the she episode. Was, she was very gracious. And we saw her in touch. She left some wigs and things for Heidi, didn't oh, she? Which is very sweet. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Such, such a good queen. Such a very, very nice queen. And it was gracious obvious lady. that she was very, very well liked she by was. the rest of the cast. She got a lovely round of, round of applause. I really... What, what did you think about this episode? I really did enjoy it. It was I fantastic. really did love it. It was an emotional journey. We mm. went from the, the, the tears of the mirrors. We went from the anger in the moment. We went from the fight of Aiden. We went to the. It was just such a good episode. Yeah, the Untucked was particularly noteworthy as well. It was the first like big blow up of of, of season twelve, wasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, I think it stands out as one of the best acting challenges, and it played to a lot of the girls' strengths. It was very very enjoyable. When we say best acting challenge, it's RuPaul's Drag Race. So we're not talking about like Grammy worthy, <laughs> and like in comparison to the writings that we've had in the past. That's what we're saying is the best. <laughs> we're comparing it to the trash of yeah. the other um, scripts that have been so written. Whatever they did this season, they need to continue in terms of yeah. the acting challenges. A great, it was a great so episode. Next week, it's Snatch Game. Oh, finally! Yay. It's the Snatch Game next week. I can't wait to get into that one. I can't wait to see what the queens bring. I'm not even going to try to think about who's going to do who. I'm just going to be happily surprised by what happens and what comes. Yeah, there weren't any clues in the trailer, but we did see Vanji popping up for some reason. Why when... is Vanji popping up? She's in... not won a Snatch game. And also, the judges were Damien and Aaron Samuels from Mean Girls. So I really, really hope somebody does Regina George. You okay. know, um, yeah. and that would be such a good Snatch game character. I, I would be fantastic if they had the guys from Mean Girls judging. All right. Well, that was our review. Um, before we say goodbye, please. Uh, feel free to subscribe please feel free to rate and review us on podcast or wherever you're listening um tell a friend and that's pretty much it that's us for today thank you so much for listening to spilling the gnt with bowler and that's tom we'll see you guys next week lots of love guys see you soon yeah, bye bye bye